Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. Welcome to Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Well, Connor, the Supreme Court finally finished up. Traditionally, they like to wrap it up by June 30. They crept into July and had some pretty big decisions yep. that uh, we're going to talk about. Presidential subpoenas. We finally got that ruling about Trump's taxes. But not exactly the final word because it's sent down to the trial court. We're going to talk about another huge Supreme Court decision for the Little Sisters of the Poor. I like to call them the rock stars of litigious nunneries. They won again in the Supreme Court uh, on the birth control issue. Roger Stone, a free man. His prayers were answered. Hooray! Will General Flynn be able to follow in his footsteps? Why not? And a bonus, Connor, uh, a poll of hundreds of presidential scholars have ranked every president on about 30 different criteria. And um, Trump has been ranked on the intelligence scale along with everybody else. We'll see at the end of the episode. Man, it's a real mystery. I just, I just can't imagine how smart he is. I, we have no information to go on, so it'll be good to get another piece of the puzzle to well, solve it, that one. Yeah, I mean, we've only seen a portion of one term for him. Uh-huh. Uh, for FDR, my goodness, it was just over three terms. So we'll get to that. Before we uh, talk about Supreme Court, though, uh, we are reviving our Moron of the Week feature, and we have a good candidate uh, here. I think last week, Connor, the, the winner, hands down, uh, were the folks in... Um, in Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that had the COVID parties where they actually chipped in and had a big bunch of cash to the person who caught COVID the first, and they would intentionally try and try to yep. infect each other. Not real smart. Uh, they they won the crown. I think we're sending the trophy out to them. So this week, oh, we've got a pair of morons uh, of the week. Uh, it has to do with a car crash uh, a week or so ago in Oregon. Uh, Both drivers were arrested after the crash when the cops showed up and discovered both of them separately were driving stolen vehicles. The the police chased uh, Randy Lee Cooper, age 27, in a stolen land cruiser before he careened into a Buick Regal when he was trying to elude officers, just like on TV. Uh, So he just... uh, plowed into this uh, this woman uh, named Cooper, Randy Lee Cooper. Uh, no, actually, he he was the bad guy, Kristen, right. Kristen Nicole uh, Big. Poor Kristen yeah, Nicole. Yeah, she, you know, bad luck. Bad so luck. Cooper was arrested, charged with multiple crimes, including assault and unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, duh. 
But in the process of investigating the cops, so what do you know? Kristen also had been had stolen the the car. So they are the. That's winners. just bad luck. Yep, uh, all around morons of the week. Uh, we've actually got a, a genius of the week candidate, though, Ooh. Connor. I want to tell you about a, a Miami lawyer named. Just Sam. don't say Clarence Thomas. No, Samuel okay. Rabin. We'll get into the Supreme Court in a, in a second. A Miami lawyer had to go to the federal courthouse. A lot of uh, court appearances are by Zoom these days, but he wanted to show up. Uh, court said you could do it by Zoom, but no, doggone it. He wanted to show up for his client's sentencing doggone hearing. Doggone it. A big drug case. And he shows up in a full hazmat suit. And boy, did he go viral. Although he know, didn't, he didn't I guess, get the virus. The, yeah. yeah, and the uh, the guys at the metal detector at the court were saying, "Right on, man. Yeah, I don't blame you. This is pretty good." He shows up. He's actually in court in the full hazmat suit, and the judge says to him, "Well, it would have been a nice touch if you'd worn a tie outside the hazmat suit, just to show Clever. judges have a good sense of humor." So we'll we'll call him the genius of the week. So uh, you be the judge as to whether there were any genius uh, decisions uh, to wrap up the Supreme Court uh, term. Uh, the big uh, decision, of course, had to do with subpoenas. And I guess the bottom line, Connor, is that the Supreme Court uh, said, yeah, a president is not immune from subpoenas. It was 7-2 vote. And interestingly, there's been a lot of press recently about how Chief Justice Roberts, he's not exactly going David Souter, but kind of. He's often now the centrist vote who sides with the liberal bloc of Ginsburg, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Except when it comes to religious funding of uh, private, uh, public funding of religious schools, and then he goes conservative again. Well, as I said, not a full suitor. No. But but doggone it, he's kind of headed that direction. So this decision had to do with a couple of subpoenas. The Manhattan District Attorney, Cyrus Vance, the eighth or the ninth, whatever number he is in in that famous uh, family. Uh, doggone it, he wanted to get to the bottom of the Stormy Daniel thing and uh, the uh, hush money to the other women. And so he served subpoenas. Uh, and Trump's uh, response was, no, I'm, I'm the president. You can't get this stuff. Uh, but the U.S. Supreme Court said, yeah, they can. But they sent it down to the uh, the trial court. Same deal with the House Democrats subpoenas. Several committees had subpoenaed financial records from Trump concerning his dealings with foreign countries and so on. Uh, so you think it's kind of frustrating, Connor, that you know, the president sort of lost, but it's going to be fussed with in the lower courts and much beyond the November election. Think he sees it secretly as kind of a win? Yeah, absolutely. He sees this as a win, and, and liberals, many of them, are frustrated by this, which, of course, is silly because this was never going to change anything. Did they think that uh, there was going to be on his tax returns— uh, a line item that says uh, money from Putin uh, <laughs> that would win them the election because everybody would go, oh, I guess he's a really bad president hey, now. Yeah. If if the if the uh, it, it's a complete red herring, it's a complete win win for Trump. If if Trump's tax returns show him show that he pays a ton of taxes, he gets to say, look, I'm vindicated. I pay my taxes like a good American. And if he, his tax returns show that he paid zero dollars in taxes and totally scammed the federal government, that will in, excite his base, inflame them, and they'll say, what a genius dealmaker, decision-maker businessman who screws over the American government and steals from the taxpayer because that's what victory and success are for his conservative base. He's stealing money from the government with loopholes and tax exemptions. So he can't lose. The only way he can lose and the only reason he's hot keeping these under 
under wraps, in addition to the fact that you know, they're, they're the best kept under wraps because it's a, uh, a, an issue he can keep harping on, that uh, saying, oh, well, I'm, there's a witch hunt, they're chasing me, is because the tax returns would show that he's actually poor. Well, But he always gets to fall back on, well, if the tax returns show that I'm actually poor, don't worry, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, base, I'm secretly rich, I just don't tell the government. You know how it is. I'm a scam artist, but that's the guy you voted for, well, so it's perfect. Apart from the embarrassment factor of how rich he is and so on, there are these specific investigations. I mentioned the one about uh, Stormy Daniels. It is a crime to give a bunch of money to your campaign via hush money, secret payments. If instead of just trying to get this woman out of his life, it really was intentionally to be a campaign contribution and he didn't report it. Now that is a crime. Now some people say, you know, they're being kind of hard on Trump because normally it's just a slap on the wrist, it's a fine. But the DA of Manhattan, Cyrus Vance, may want to go beyond that. So in that sense, maybe there is more at stake here uh, because – now, the DA's subpoena was really upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court kind of dumped on the House of Representatives subpoenas because I think the expression that Chief Justice Roberts, who wrote both of the decisions, uh, the one for the House Democrats and the one for the DA, he called it uh, the hurly-burly of politics in terms of the House Democrats. And so essentially the court was saying, yes, we're upholding the idea. No, president is above the law. Specifically, he's got to respond to subpoenas. But go back down there and figure out if this really has a legislative purpose. Yes, the Congress has oversight of the executive branch. They get to craft laws to make sure no funny business is going on with foreigners meddling in, in elections. But you know, the House, you know, they kind of had their wrists slapped and the lower court will sort it out. But Connor, don't you think there's a potential for uh, the Manhattan DA going up against Trump in terms of uh, the crime of paying hush money when it was really a campaign contribution? Yeah, I think there there is potential for that. And and post-election, you know, out once he's out of office uh, or theoretically in office, uh, if he wins again, then there's the potential for that to bite him. I don't think there's any danger of that happening before the election. Uh, but, you know, of course, he's got to think long term. He's going to be pursued by these federal agencies for his crimes for the rest of his miserable life. So he does have to. Don't you, know, you mean alleged crimes? Yes. Aren't, aren't we supposed to say yes? Now, yes. I thought it was interesting, Connor, that not only did Chief Justice Roberts uh, join the four liberals on the court and he wrote these opinions, but he was also joined by Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. So yeah. it was a 7-2 decision. Now, the, the real most conservative justices on the court, Samuel Alito and Clarence, Tom- Clarence Thomas, they both dissented from the subpoena's uh, decisions. The dissents didn't actually say, oh, a president can never be uh, bothered by a subpoena. They acknowledged that he isn't totally immune, but they said under these circumstances, it just doesn't justify taking the president's time. So, okay, you get the two real conservatives dissenting, but wasn't it kind of interesting that two people who were Trump appointees to the court, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, both joined the other five to make it a 7-2 decision? Trump loses on the subpoenas. Yeah, in my mind, this is uh, another circumstance, probably, uh, where those are strategic uh, decisions. They say, we're going to lose because Roberts is against us, so let's join with Roberts and sign on um, uh, to this. Uh, this uh, well, just so they'll look fairer? Yeah, exactly. So the House uh, House Democrats were a little— I don't know that, but I suspect that, probably. It, it was interesting the way they kind of dipped into history. Not only did the majority opinion say, well, Richard Nixon had to respond to subpoenas in connection with Watergate. Not only did Bill Clinton have to respond to the, all the Paula Jones sexual harassment stuff while they were sitting presidents, but they went back to Thomas Jefferson time. They, and Chief Justice Roberts said, well, you know— 
When Aaron Burr, the that, guy who shot, uh, he's Alexander been watching Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, uh, the room where it happened. Not only, when Aaron Burr was on trial for treason against America, right? There was a subpoena sent to the setting president, Thomas Jefferson. And we're sorry to bother you. I know you're working on that big Louisiana purchase, but please respond <laughs> to the Aaron Burr subpoena. And he said, No, no. Well, the Supreme Court said, Yeah, Jefferson has to respond. And so he's got people for that. Yeah. And so even then, he had one or two people for that. So uh, it, it was a fun, it was a fun history lesson. I guess ultimately, people are wondering, uh, you know, okay, subpoenas are one thing, but what about prosecution of the president? And the fact is, the, the uh, Supreme Court opinions, I think, are are pretty clear. No matter what you think of Donald Trump, he's not going to be put on trial while he is president. As we know from the Nixon situation, you are subject to criminal prosecution after you leave the office. Right. That's why Nixon needed a. Pardon from Jerry Ford, uh, but to- I can't wait until Biden pardons Trump. Oh my God, I'm so excited for it! Well, it's going to be so great. Some people are, have two conspiracy theories in mind. Number one, the day before he leaves office, Trump says, "I'm pardoning myself." Right. You tell me what Supreme Court precedent prevents that? And right. actually, we don't know whether or not that would fly or not. Right. The second conspiracy theory is he announces on January 19th. I'm resigning the presidency. My friend Mike Pence here has something to say. I'm pardoning you, Mr. President. Now, Pretty good. Would 66 Smart. million Clinton voting heads explode all at once, rivaling the uh, the uh, Richter scale effect of every hydrogen bomb on the planet going off at once? I mean, it would be... Let, okay, let's be, let's be honest. All those Clinton head oh, we people... We haven't been honest up until now? <laughs> those Clinton head people... Uh, they may well be, you know, vindictive. Uh, we are, um, and those they may, you know, well, be petty. Angry. We'll just call you angry. Uh, we are petty. And uh, what really concerns us is the fact that he's in the Oval Office. And what happens to Trump after he leaves office will can will be and only can be a cherry on top uh, of him getting out of uh, public lives. He will get his show on, you know. Uh, the Trump News Network or whatever, and he'll obviously want hire him. Jesse Waters to sit in for him 99.9% <laughs> of the time, but he'll come on and rant, and it'll be insane. You want him in the Gray Bar Hotel, don't you? Uh, what's that now? That's a fun name for a for a prison. Oh, the, the Gray, Gray Bar, Bar Hotel, Hotel yeah. of course. Th- that's what people want. And, and, and the other side loves to chant, lock her up, referring to Hillary. How have we gotten to this point, Connor, where both sides literally want the other, the ogre on the other side of the spectrum to be imprisoned? Isn't that sad? It, it is sad. It is sad. I mean, Trump committed a bunch of crimes, so there's that. But I don't want to see him in prison. I might want to see him like on a boat out in the ocean. If he has to like free international water, lead international water, that'd be great. Absolutely. Uh, well, Maybe, ooh, he could get captured by pirates. <laughs> We're going to get to the other. But then he ends up being fine. He's fine. At the end. He's fine. We're going to get to the other big Supreme Court decision about uh, the Little Sisters of the Little Poor and the the religious poor. rights uh, when we come back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And please go on your podcast uh, app, whichever one you use to uh, to find us and listen to us, Podcast Addict or Apple Podcasts or whatever else, uh, Stitcher or Spotify or whatever, and leave us a review. Uh, let people know uh, how much you uh, dearly love us and uh, leave a little comment, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks. We'll be right back. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm still Connor Oaks. And we're still talking about the Supreme Court because they had a couple other big decisions beyond the subpoena decision. Uh, the uh, religious rights issue um, at issue on the Little Sisters of the Poor decision uh, were Trump administration rules that expanded moral and religious exemptions to a federal requirement that employer-provided health plans cover birth control. Right. Uh, and it was- What could be more clear? The employer... Re- Provided health care plans require to, are required to cover birth control. That's what the law says. It's very straightforward. We're done. That's it. Good. It's funny you mentioned that it couldn't be clearer because 7-2 to two vote by the U.S. Supreme Court came out the other way. And this Interesting. Time, this time, Clarence Thomas, Delgado, he's so yep. used to being in the dissent. This time, he got to write the majority opinion, mm-hmm. and he was joined by Chief Justice Roberts. He was joined, of course, by Alito and Gorsuch. And? Kavanaugh, and... But also Elena Kagan Elena, and the Breyer. more important one is Elena Kagan. Yeah, so just as you, we had a surprising seven to two vote with a mix of liberals and conservatives on subpoenas. Here once again, uh, you've got a seven to two with Breyer and Kagan joining a Clarence Thomas opinion. Now, in, right. in dissent were Ginsburg and Sotomayor. What they argued was that the majority is trampling on health care rights right. in favor of religious rights. And the bottom line is that the Obamacare law required most bosses to include birth control coverage in health plans. Churches have always been exempt from this requirement, actually. But other employers, uh, those with religious affiliations, said, hey, what are we, chopped liver? You know, we're just as religious as churches. We're fighting. We don't want to pay for your damn birth control. Right. This is the third time the Supreme Court has had to grapple with this issue. The Obama uh, solution had been, look, let the religious groups provide free birth control. We'll we'll figure out how to pay it. You know, we'll have a tax or something. And the religious employers said, no, uh, I don't like the idea of of any of, of being associated at all. I don't want on the list of health stuff in our uh, for our employees to be this kind of birth control, no matter who is paying for it. Right. And they didn't want the morning after pill, which they considered the same as abortion. So that's when the Trump administration a couple of years ago said, okay, we're going to broaden the exemptions to be go beyond churches, right. anything that's religious oriented, right. uh, and then Pennsylvania and now, New Jersey sued to stop it. That, of course, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, was a bad uh, opinion, bad decision. But Kagan, who is kind of the crucial uh, chance at a swing vote of— uh, on this one, that she ended up joining the conservatives. She actually said that that was a, a well-reasoned and, and long-standing uh, interpretation, right? She says that the idea that there can be these religious exceptions is is, is basically she's admitting it's been you know locked in uh, for the time being by the Supreme Court in previous cases. So uh, she's not about to try to upset that. 
But Kagan, I think, uh, somewhat strategically tries to uh, kick the can down the road and leave open the avenue, um, a future avenue of attack. So I think the liberals next battlefield on this one, because they know they've got a conservative court and they know that they've got, uh, um, you know, you've only the only people you've got Sotomayor and Ginsburg who are the holdouts on the far end of this. But right. they're, they're, they're going to have to appeal to some, a conservative, probably Roberts, um, in order to make this. Uh, to make this happen in a future case. In a future case, they're going to get good a good plaintiff uh, with good facts that's going to come up here and th- they're going to, you know, basically, uh, I'm sure the, 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 the liberals in America will orchestrate this. They'll, they'll create a private corporation, which Kagan highlights and says, you know, this is a, a uh, the danger is that even publicly traded corporations, sorry, I said private, I meant publicly traded corporations, theoretically, can claim religious exceptions, basically, she's saying, just to save a buck, right? So Connor and Royal are going to start Connor and Royal uh, Healthcare Incorporated, Mm -hmm. and we're going to be a healthcare providing company, just to make it confusing, and we're going to say, you know, even though we're a bunch of uh, doctors, jurist doctors, it counts, don't worry about it, uh, and we provide healthcare— we are going to say we have a religious exemption in our publicly I'm traded corporation. Ma- ma- medical malpractice. Yeah, absolutely. What well, publicly traded corporation? But we're going to claim a religious exemption uh, against uh, uh, healthcare, uh, and and we're going to do it uh, uh, an, on an arbitrary and capricious basis. We're going to pass memos back and forth in which we say it's, we know it's very arbitrary and capricious what we're doing, but uh, we're just going to claim this exemption to save a buck. That's going to go up to the Supreme Court, and uh, Kagan is going to be able to say, boom, there it is. Just like I said in this little sister of the poor opinion, mm-hmm. the danger is that exemptions are arbitrary and capricious, uh, capricious and thus not the, not the product of reasoned decision-making. And therefore, uh, these exemptions that the HRSA, which is part of the DHS, the Department of Health, uh, sorry, HHS, uh, Health and Human Services, um, they, the, as she said, it, the exemptions give every appearance of coming up short because they're too broad, because they're too wide. So- She's going to blow it open there and then say, we're, we've got both sides, right? We've got competing scenarios where sometimes they're arbitrary and capricious, and sometimes we've got to stick with the well-reasoned interpretation that goes long-term. Could I be. think that's the next battlefield. You know, setting the specifics of this case aside, isn't it interesting and maybe a little refreshing that occasionally some of the liberals will vote with the conservatives, and occasionally some of the conservatives will vote for the liberals? I mean, let's look at the blocks. In the middle, standing astride history is Chief Justice. Roberts. He's now totally centrist. If you go to the left, Ginsburg and Sotomayor, they never join the conservatives on issues. They're always solidly on the left. If you look on the other end, Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, always on the right. They're never going to vote with the liberals. At least we have a pair on each side. On the right, we have Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, the recent Trump appointees. They're occasionally you see them vote with the liberals. Similarly, on the left, the Breyer and Kagan votes. Every once in a while, they meander over to the right. Doesn't that give you, you know, re- isn't it refreshing to know that these aren't automatic lockstep votes uh, that at least some people, four of, of the nine, are willing to flip back and forth? And then there's John Roberts, who basically gets to decide everything. You know, you know, I, I will say that uh, people say the same thing about Kagan, by the way. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you that she's the one who stand, stand, sits astride and, and gets to make all these decisions mm-hmm. because she goes over to the conservatives sometimes. And I, I, it's certainly ref- more refreshing than in the other hypothetical scenario where none of this happens at all. I'll say that. Uh, I, say, I will also say that there are just overwhelmingly too many horrible, god-awful, no-good, very-bad Supreme Court decisions that ruin people's lives uh, and destroy our pro- political system. 
And thus, the idea that some of these uh, justices have dalliances where they just tiptoe across the line sometimes and become, uh, you know, pretend and put on the, 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 the disguise and pretend to be on the other side of things does not solve the problem of Citizens United and Buckley versus Vallejo destroying our entire political system and allowing rich people to have unlimited, uh, air quotes, free speech and donate to whoever the heck they want by their politicians while poor people are explicitly limited to donating to political campaigns. These are the most impactful uh, po- political system destroying opinions that the that SCOTUS has blessed us with, and we have to deal with the ramifications. And overall, it's a horrible institution that is is you know caused more harm than done good. But it does have bright spots. You know, we, integrated schools, great job. It was in the 50s, the when 60s. We, when we come back, clemency, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, some of Trump's friends are going to be free at last. <laughs> Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. We're back with Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. My gosh, uh, it's so, uh, I'm such a Red Sox fan. I was so delighted to hear the news, Connor. Roger Clemens got clemency from president. Wasn't, I'm I'm sorry, it's Roger Stone. Um, There we are. I was thinking, you know, Clemens had that problem with the steroids and so on. Yeah, he did. It's true. He needed the help. Okay, so it's actually Roger Stone who got clemency from President Trump. Stone was scheduled to go to prison two or three days from the clemency. It's funny. What a coincidence that that the announcement came on a Friday afternoon, Connor. You know what? Yeah, so weird. Some politicians, they kind of dump stuff, documents, or or He would never do that. Because nobody pays attention to the news on Saturday morning or Friday night. So I'm sure this was just coincidence. Just a coincidence. But that's what had happened. Uh, Stone had been convicted of seven felonies. He was looking at a 40-month term in prison. Uh, Of course, he uh, was found guilty of lying to a congressional, uh, to Congress, on an inquiry that involved Trump. He had been convicted of obstructing this investigation. Uh, Stone's been lobbying for clemency for a long time. And it wasn't a huge shock that Trump gave him clemency. Trump had said this guy was treated unfairly by the judge. I mean, it might not have been surprising, but it was a shock in that the the political and judicial systems are not supposed to work this way. It is a shocking and horrific, you know, revelation that there is no depth to which Trump will not plunge. Uh, but it was not surprising because we already knew that. Horrific, really? I mean, yes, serial horrific. killers are horrific. Mass shootings. Did you see the emails he sent? Whisper, witness tampering was so obvious and so blatant and so clear. He literally referenced the Godfather and a guy that got, like, a rat that got killed in that, a witness that's tampering Roger email Stone. where that's he blatantly Roger came out and just said, basically, if you flip, we'll kill you. Well, I mean, he basically said that. It was, it was, it was, if you've seen The Godfather, then he said that. And which, that to me is horrific. Yeah, which, so serial which, killer. Which Godfather? There are three. Well, no, which no, one? No, no. 
Italian? I don't know, but they're all the same movie, right? Are they actually? It's just a bunch of people with Italian names um, who I can't keep straight. This is not like, and back then they the, all explode. It's not Their like Back to the up. Future, Connor, where they made them all at once to save money. These I think they are did make at least separate movies. They did make a couple of oh, other movies at the same time. Well, so and they, they wrote all the scripts at the same time with a carbon copy. They just sort of traced the same words over and over, and they said, "Look at this. We get seven scripts or whatever." So. Trump's view was that this guy really was treated unfairly by not only the judge, but the prosecutors and even the jury forewoman who allegedly tweeted anti-Trump sentiments and so on. But clearly this is going to fuel a critique of Trump's administration saving itself. Attorney General Barr was pushing for dismissal of the, of the Flynn case. Um, and it's interesting that Trump chose to go the clemency route instead of a pardon. I mean, right. it's kind of inside baseball, but clemency says we're not we're not pardoning you. That is, we're not forgiving you. We're just saying that we're, you're off the hook. You don't have to go to prison. And whereas pardon and, and pardon doesn't declare that you know it's null and void. It's not an expungement of your conviction. It's still on, on the books. It's just that you are officially forgiven because the government thinks this was unfair. And you may remember, Connor, there's a huge fight as the uh, George W. Bush administration wound down. Scooter Libby was the chief of staff for VP Cheney, and Cheney lobbied really hard to Bush to get a pardon because he right. wanted it an official forgiveness of Libby's conviction. Instead, to show he was his own man, George W. Bush said, no, I'm going to give him clemency, meaning you know, good news, you don't have to go to prison, right. uh, Scooter Libby. And so there was that big fight. You wonder if maybe there was a fight here because we are seeing reports that there was a, a large battle within the Trump administration. A lot of folks advising the president said, Ixnay on, on any help for Roger Stone. It's going to hurt you politically. Keep your eye on the ball. November elections coming up. But obviously, Trump... Uh, valued loyalty so much, and if you if you believe what he said, he truly thought that Stone got a, a raw deal from the legal system. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so Trump has as a bunch of clemency scholars uh, got together um, and reviewed the how presidents used it, and uh, the, as 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 they described it, as they'll they'll tell you that the Bush uh, both Bushes uh, didn't really use clemency power very much. Um, and then Clinton had his self-serving uh, uh, pardon or Clement, uh, clemency grant. But overall, presidents have not really used it the way the Bushes or Clinton did. They kind of were stayed in the middle of the road. Um, Trump's use of the clemency power is specifically, if you look at the numbers, it's specifically like a one-to-one -one relationship with people who either did something for Trump personally in his campaign. Or was campaign, on his reality show, or, like Governor Goyevich. True. Uh, or uh, were on Fox News. If they receive a bunch of positive Fox News coverage, uh, for instance, when Trump granted 11 people uh, clemency in one day uh, back in February— um, he pardoned or commuted their sentences. Uh, they all had that one thing in common. They had either been covered recently on Fox News or really? had a personal inside connection to the president. This is uh, uh, an insane abuse. So are you saying that Sean Hannity power. and Tucker Carlson have get out of jail free cards? Is that was that what you? Well, we already knew that. I mean, they could shoot somebody on Fifth <laughs> Avenue and Trump would get them out, and Trump could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and just pardon himself, and everything would be fine. Well, you mentioned the, the other, justice system's broken. You mentioned the other presidents. The Wall Street Journal actually was editorializing in the wake of all the criticism of the Roger Stone uh, clemency. They they did note that Bill Clinton had his last minute pardon of Susan McDougal, mm -hmm. who had gone to jail for contempt rather than. 
tell prosecutors what she knew about Clinton's Whitewater transactions. In addition, uh, there was the Mark Rich uh, pardon that was given. Uh, and they also pointed out that uh, President Obama commuted the sentence of an unrepentant Puerto Rican terrorist who had become a, a big cause celebre on the political left, as well as Chelsea Manning, whose leaks allegedly jeopardized American troops and Afghan translators fighting the Taliban. So isn't it just a they matter of presidential stuff happens, so we have to live with it? I mean, Chelsea Manning's uh, prosecution was certainly political, um, and she was you know, basically a, a just a target dummy for the for the right to launch these attacks at. And so, yeah, in that sense, because she became a right wing villain, um, then you pardon somebody who has become an unfair, unfairly become a right wing villain in a, in a sense that is a political pardon. But they're different, right? Chelsea Manning didn't help out Obama by leaking a bunch of stuff and becoming a, wo- a whistleblower, right? That, that's that, they're very different things. This is this is a, a somebody who took a stand on moral grounds and tried to make the world a better place in their opinion. And the Trump equivalent of that is his first pardon, which is Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who tortures people uh, and is proud of it. And and I mean that's that's his best guy. He who you know, tried to make the world a better place but broke the law in doing so. Really, that's your best example. Is Sheriff Joe the torture guy? Fantastic. Great job, Trump. I mean, they're, they're totally different. To say that Chelsea Manning and Sheriff Joe are on the same moral footing is is wacko. I mean, Trump does not engage in the same type of air quotes, political pardoning that other presidents did. So we promised Especially Obama. We promised we would tell you about a uh, ranking of the United States presidents. Uh, 157 presidential scholars were polled. Uh, this was done by Siena College Research Institute. And they ranked all of the presidents. We think of them as 45, but actually one president had two cracks at it. And so there were really only 44 people who have been presidents. And so they ranked them on about 20 different categories, background, imagination, integrity, intelligence, and overall ranking. So um, Donald Trump came in pretty close to the bottom on just about everything. No. Yeah. Now, when it comes to, uh, for example, intelligence, mm-hmm. these scholars ranked him dead last, uh, number 44. Wow. Of, of w all, is cheering. All He's fucking fist pumping. Uh, he also uh, dead last on um, overall ability and executive appointments. Right. Well, that seems pretty straightforward. Now, I think one thing is unfair here. They, in terms of handling of the economy, they ranked him 39th out of 44. Now, really, is that fair given the fact that uh, the economy has been pretty darn good over the but, last three years? But can years? you point to something that he has done that has improved the economy? Because the only thing he did was the air quotes, Trump tax cuts, which did not have the effect or Plus pay. The thicket of regulations was, uh, was winnowed. But did he do anything that led to that? Or did Mitch McConnell... Uh, you know, tear apart the EPA and tear down the. So we'll uh, give we'll uh, give shared credit. FCC. You know, on on your point about the economy, it's interesting. One of the many factors the scholars talk about is luck. For some reason, they thought it was okay to to refer to luck. And the only time that Trump came in, other than basically fortieth, forty first on on anything, was on luck. They call him tenth in luck. So Not he's, bad. So he's got that wait, wait. Going. Who's number one in luck? We got to find this. I mean, it's got to to me. It's got to be Reagan. Like the guy took a bullet in the chest, right? George Washington was ranked number one in luck, and Washington gets wonderful rankings across the board. Why in terms luck? Of dealings though? with Congress. The overall rank, overall best in history was George Washington. Mm-hmm. You want to guess? Yeah. You want to guess who was the number two president of all time? Abraham Lincoln. Uh, actually. 
Presley. What? It was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Wow. You know, when okay. you take care of a depression and a war, sure. I guess you sure, get credit. Sure. I guess that's but better than Lincoln. Number three, of course, was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and would you like to guess number okay, four? Okay, okay, I got this. I got four this. overall? <sighs> you know, I think... You Washington and FDR, you got Lincoln, and number four on the hit parade? I think it's either Obama or... Eisenhower, Teddy Roosevelt, and Thomas Jefferson. They aren't on, <laughs> on up on I Mount Rushmore off. for nothing. Okay, sure. sure. So those uh, those are the results of the poll, and the Trumpsters aren't going to like it. But uh, 157 presidential scholars have had their uh, say. 350 million Americans can't be wrong. Well, we have dissected the Supreme Court decisions, Connor. I have a feeling very soon, and maybe next week, we'll be able to talk about General Flynn because uh, Judge Emmett uh, Sullivan, who wants the prosecution of Flynn to continue, has asked for an en banc hearing from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. You and and your Latin. I'm betting next week we'll know the result of that, and we'll talk about it uh, here on Too Many Lawyers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.